Hello. Thank you for joining me. The scripture I want to bring to this talk is in Psalm 119 and it's verse 140. It says, Your promises have been thoroughly tested and your servant loves them. In the New King James Version it talks about your word is very pure therefore your servant loves it. But the, the thought is the same. The word pure there comes from a metal that's uh, refined in the fire. It's been tested. What do you think when you hear those words that your promises have been thoroughly tested? Do you think of George Muller who not very far from here stood on many of the scriptures, Psalm 68 verse 5 in particular about God being the father to the fatherless and he fed thousands of orphans without an appeal for funds. Or maybe you think of A.B. Carmichael from Northern Ireland, a lady who was moved by her faith to go to India to lead hundreds of, of girls away from temple prostitution. Or Jackie Pullinger in Hong Kong. But when I read this, I think the psalmist is referring to himself and his experience of the Word of God. And therefore, as we read it, we also should, and I'm sure we do, embrace it and say, yes, your promises are thoroughly tested, therefore your servant loves them. We discover that the Word of God is dependable, reliable, faithful, comes when we stand in faith upon it through every test, and therefore we love it. It's interesting in the previous verse the psalmist says he's worn out and the next verse he says he's lowly and despised but when he looks at the word of God as in a mirror and sees himself standing upon it he says your word is thoroughly tested therefore your servant loves it. In one sense the whole of the scripture is, is God's promise. It's, it's like our inheritance. One of the pictures that the Bible uses of, of, of the word of God is is when somebody dies and leaves, leaves a will in the testament and the bequests are written into it which those who benefit receive and it teaches us that in Hebrews that, that, that Christ is the one who, who, who made that testament and, and we are the beneficiaries of it and yet he's alive to make sure that we participate and receive all the things that he has purchased for us Paul writing or speaking to the church in Ephesus in, in Acts 20 verse 32 he says he says these things about the word of God he said I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified see the word of God is a strengthening thing as we receive it into ourselves it strengthens us and gives us that inheritance because we see what God has purchased for us through Christ and there is an inheritance in the Word of God in the promises of God there are things that every born-again child of God can stand upon and we know they are true God's promises his presence his peace always he promises his help and his provision he promises his comfort his love his guidance he promises to train us to discipline us like beloved children he promises us hope and a future always. The promises of God are true. The primary purposes of God's word 
as we read it, is to reveal God to us. His word is his promise because it tells us what or who God is like, that he is gracious, he's compassionate, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in love and faithfulness. And these are his promises because they come forth from, from who he is. And we can stand on the rock of that truth. God upholds everything that he says in his word. There is an unbreakable relationship between God and his word. His name is tied to his word. It says in Psalm 138 verse 2, these, these amazing words that you've exalted above all things your name and your word. And everything is upheld by his word and he doesn't miss a thing. He doesn't let any of his promises fall to the ground. When Solomon was dedicating the temple in, in 1 Kings uh, chapter 8, um, this was the pinnacle, if you were, of, of Israel's history. He says these wonderful words. He says that not one word of all the good promises you've spoken through your servant Moses, not one word, not one promise has failed or fallen to the ground. It says, God says to Jeremiah, I'm watching over my word to perform it. God's word and his name are so linked because he's true in every part of his character. He stands behind his word. To perform it. It's an eternal abiding word. What God has said is what he says because God doesn't change. So for us who believe the word of God is of immense value and we need to appropriate God's words to ourselves to, to, to enter into his rest, to rest on his promises and when we need to to do battle with the word of God it's like a two-edged sword in our mouths. And the word of God revives us, keeps us going on this journey. And, and I, I sense as we're into, getting into the fourth month of lockdown, there's a need to revive people, to reinvigorate them, to restore them, for us to keep going, keeping our eyes on the Lord. So how can we appropriate the word of God to us? How can it be a living word in us? How can we hear it with faith? I often think of the story of Elijah, and if anyone new mountains high experiences and valleys low it was Elijah by his word it hadn't rained for over three years in the land of Israel and then he summoned all the prophets of Baal to that amazing contest saying the one the God that answers by fire he is God and he challenged the whole of Israel not to halt between two opinions if God is the Lord serve him and you know the story well I'm sure how invited the prophets of Baal to, to, to in, implore Baal to answer by fire. He said, the God that answers by fire, he is God. Can you imagine the adrenaline of, of that moment? Can you imagine the intensity of it? Standing alone as he thought he was against everybody. And then when they failed, he, he soaked the altar so many times. And then he entreated God. To answer by fire and fire fell and consumed the altar and all the prophets of Baal were taken out and what a moment that was for Elijah standing high and then this man he runs faster than a chariot ahead of a king into Jezreel and 
and and and and just everything is moving in his direction until he confronts Jezebel and Jezebel is unfazed by everything God has done and said you're going to die and something turns in his life and he runs away so he goes from this high to this low and he, he runs and he walks goes on a huge long journey um, to the Mount of God Mount Horeb and he's exhausted and he leaves his servant and we're going to join the story uh, in 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 5 and it says about Elijah this 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 mighty man of God it says that um, he lay down under the tree and fell asleep having said that he just said to the Lord I've had enough Lord I've heard a lot of people say they've had enough of this uh, lockdown I've had enough Lord take my life I'm no better than my ancestors so he lay down and fell asleep and all at once an angel touched him and said get up and eat he looked around and thereby his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water he ate and drank and then lay down again the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said get up and eat for the journey is too much for you so he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached the mountain of God so God's promise is like that angel's food to carry us on our journey lest we tire on the way and to appropriate God's word, the written word of God, into a specific promise, to a, into a situation I'm standing on, through which I can exercise faith. This word needs to come alive to us, to carry us on our journey. Right now, this is so important. People are flagging, they're, they're talking about breaking down the sort of restrictions that, that are around us. But the word of God can come and revive us. The Bible tells us that, that the faith comes from hearing the word. And hearing the word obviously comes from it being spoken or read or, or sung over us. So how do we really hear it, really hear it deep down inside of us? Well, it says there that Elijah, when he heard the angel's voice, he looked around. And then he saw the food and the drink and he ate it. But the angel said something else to him, he said, do it again. So he, he, he roused himself and he ate it and he drank. And I would say that to you as well. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Keep taking this word of God into our lives. Keep feeding on Jesus. Keep positioning yourself where you can receive, as it were, from the Spirit of God. I, I love the attitude in the Songs of Ascent where the psalmist said, I lift up my eyes to you who are enthroned in the heavens in Psalm 123. So my eyes look to God until he show us his mercy. And the psalmist in Psalm 40 verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And in Psalm 131 verse 2 it says, I have stilled and quieted my soul. They were inviting the Holy Spirit to come and breathe on them, quicken them, make them alive. 
as I was reading through the psalm, Psalm 121 has been really feeding my soul. The psalmist begins with these words, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So he lifts up his eyes to the Lord. And when he beholds God, he discovers that it's not him that's watching God, but God is watching him. Six times in the rest of the psalm, the, the psalmist reveals that God is watching over him. He's watching over, he's going out, he's coming in, he's guarding his way, he's keeping him lest his foot slip. And we see the faithfulness and the love of God revealed to us in the word of God. So we should position ourselves for his word to come, listen out for it, be attentive to it. It can come through the scripture. Read the word slowly, make journals, make notes, what stands out. It can come through the words of a song. It can come through prophetic word that somebody shares. It can come through somebody teaching, and I hope some of the word of God comes across to you now. It can just be a thought, but we should pay attention to it and listen to it because his words are life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go into any challenging or difficult difficult situation in life without the word of God resting in my mind and in my in my heart as we heard from Joseph recently we we live by the preceding word of God just two years ago when we felt it was right for me to go through that very difficult operation I didn't want to go into it without a present and a vibrant word of God living in my mind and I went over my journal again and again, what has God been speaking to me? What has he been saying? And I lighted upon something that really came alive in my spirit in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 32. You may have remember me sharing it at the time and it says, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him for he shields him all day long. The one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. And I read it and I reread it and I memorized it, I internalized it, I prayed it. I breathed it, I recalled it, I confessed it. As I went into the operation, it was in my mind as I woke up, it was there when I went through some complications, I kept recalling it. And the word of God, strengthens us it gives us that inheritance it brings us into his presence it comforts us and strengthens us another time I was going through some deep traumatic waters and a very simple word came to me from a brother I trusted that just lived with me and has lived with me since and it's these simple words it's going to be okay and that was a vibrant living proceeding word for me God's promises are thoroughly tested therefore your servant loves them they are true, they are trustworthy, they are reliable. Some promises have long gestation periods, lifetimes if you're Abraham, where the faith walk is pleasing to God. It's good to remind yourself of the journey of God's faithfulness, recalling where he's spoken and where uh, his words have come to pass. They can be painful times and yet they're joyful. So when we sense God speaking, how do we respond? So I'm trying to bring this to conclusion now, and I, I want to turn to this really um, 
lovely verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. He says this, this thing. He says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Just think about this verse for a moment. The promises are yes in Christ. They don't rest on us, they rest in him. His person, his love, his faithfulness, his glory. And through him, because of who he is, comes our amen to God's glory. Now, amen is a word taken straight out from Greek, from Hebrew and other Semitic languages. It's used to express a sort of conclusion or an agreement. It means it is so. Certainly, truthfully, it's God's faithfulness. The yes is his, the amen is ours. It's an agreement to the truth. We agree and make it ours. We hide the word of God in our heart. We let it dwell there. We test it with all the, the wisdom that God has given to us. We look whether it ties up with scripture, whether it brings a witness of the spirit. We look whether it's, it's God's wisdom. We share it with the counsel of friends. We let God's peace rule in our hearts. But the Amen comes from our hearts to God's words. We agree with it. We pray it. We love it. We stand with it. It's spoken by us to the glory of God. So. As I bring this to, to a conclusion, I'll just say the two, the two stages of receiving and standing on God's promises. The first stage is that lifting up your eyes stage. Put yourself in a position. Be expectant to hear and to receive, to discern, to witness God's word in your life. Embrace it. Dwell on it. Test it. But receive it deeply. And the second stage, having seen in your heart that it is the truth, let your amen come again and again to the glory of God. Just agree with it, embed it, believe it, pray it, speak over it, confess it. Let that be to the glory of God. Your promises are thoroughly tested. Therefore, your servant loves them.